let us turn to God asking for illumination. God of faithful surprises, throughout the ages you have made known your love and power in unexpected ways, places, and people. May we daily perceive the joy and wonder of your abiding presence and offer our lives in gratitude of your relentless pursuit of us. Amen. The gospel reading for today is a familiar story, or it will be to many of you. It's from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It's the story of Zacchaeus. Listen for the word of God as it's proclaimed by Luke the evangelist. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see Jesus, who who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He's gone to the house of one who is a great sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. Here ends the reading of the word. Occasionally, my wife would say not often enough, I'll get the extension ladder out of our garage, lay it against the house, and climb up on our roof. Keenly aware that ladder accidents are the leading cause of injury among American men over 60, I try to limit my trips up there as much as I can, but while I'm up top, I get done as much as I can possibly get done. I collect leaves, I remove branches that have fallen, gotten trapped somehow up there, another debris, and of course I check for loose shingles. But before I come down, I always climb to the very top, to the pinnacle of our roof. I sit down and I take it all in. And my perch at 279 North McLean is a remarkable vantage point. I can see the treetops of the old forest in Overton Park. I can see the traffic on Poplar Avenue. I can even see cars parking at the zoo. And even though I'm 40 feet above the ground on a steep, slippery surface, I feel strangely calm. It turns out there is something very comforting about seeing and not being seen. And I think this is exactly the feeling Zacchaeus was after when he decided to climb a sycamore tree for Jesus' trip to Jericho. Before I explain how I've arrived at this reading of the story, let's review some of the standard uh, expressions of this well-known Bible story. The two you're most familiar with are, are the same that I'm familiar with. One's the children's Sunday school version, and the other is the adult Sunday school version. So, The children's Sunday school version remains vivid in my mind, and maybe in yours, about 50 years after I first heard it. There were the felt board figures. Everybody remember? Anybody remember felt boards? Figures like Zacchaeus, 
Jesus, the crowd. There was even a sycamore tree figure. And there was a song that went along with this lesson. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he. Don't pretend you don't know it or I'll sing the second and third verses. <laughs> Emphasizing Zacchaeus' stature, my, te my teachers made the obvious connections for us. Zacchaeus was little. We were little. Zacchaeus loved, uh, Jesus loved Zacchaeus, and Jesus loves us. And then it was off to juice and cookies. There's a memorable one. The adult Sunday school version of the story admittedly is not quite as fun, um, and it focuses on a different aspect of Zacchaeus' identity. The passage in Luke, we are told, is one of Luke's attempts to demonstrate Jesus' concern for social justice and for the social outcast. And in Jesus' day, no one was more outcast than tax collectors, we are told, who were universally hated not only because they worked for the Roman occupiers, but because they got rich by gouging the local citizens. The implication of Luke's story is that Jesus seeks out Zacchaeus, not because he's short or curious, but because he's a tax collector. And as such, he is Jericho's chief sinner which makes Jesus' decision to visit him a conscious affront to the upstanding men and women of Jericho. And of course, Zacchaeus' announcement that he will compensate everyone he has cheated is an expression of the concern for economic justice that is so central to Luke's vision of the kingdom of God. These traditional readings of, their, of the story are valid as far as they go, but they do focus on externals. Zacchaeus' stature in the one case, his occupation in the other. They don't real, reveal much about Zacchaeus himself. So what if we focus not on who Zacchaeus is, but on how he acts? His main action, climbing a sycamore tree, is really kind of curious, and I want to tell you why. In ancient Palestine, Jericho was known as the City of Palms. It was located in a lush oasis filled with palm trees. And having grown up on an island off the coast of Miami, I can tell you that if your goal is to find a vantage point, palm trees are what you want to be climbing. Their big drawback, of course, is that they provide zero cover. So you may be able to see forever, but you're definitely going to be seen. But why would someone living in a city full of palm trees climb into a tree it's characterized by dense and lush foliage. It seems to me Zacchaeus wanted to see, but just as importantly, he wanted not to be seen. Starting from this clue, I want to imagine the Zacchaeus story a bit differently. The people of Jericho had waited impatiently for Jesus' visit. And frankly, they didn't really understand why it had taken so long for him to arrive. He'd already been to Caesarea, to Cana, to Nazareth, to the towns around the Sea of Galilee, even to Samaria, for heaven's sake. But never to Jericho, even though it was the oldest city around, according to the Chamber of Commerce, it had been occupied for 7,000 years to that point. And it was also one of the most beautiful cities in that area. Was it a coincidence, they asked, that King Herod had an estate there? Or that the Romans had built a theater and some aqueducts in Jericho? It was even said that one of Jesus' favorite parables had to do with a Samaritan who uh, rescues a Jew on the Jericho Road, a road that apparently Jesus was afraid to walk himself. 
This snub was weighing particularly heavily on the members of the Jericho Chamber of Commerce. They were determined that when Jesus did finally arrive in Jericho, the visit would be one he simply could not forget. So, of course, everything had to be perfect. Residents would line up in the streets, in their appointed places. The landowning families would be out front, then the business owners, then the more recent arrivals and sinners out of sight somewhere in the back. Everyone silently hoped that Zacchaeus, the town's most notorious sinner, would be out of town on one of his tax farming expeditions. In any case, Jesus would receive the VIP tour from the city's leading citizens, and Jericho would receive, finally, the consideration it deserved. Then one day, word came. Jesus had been sighted on the Jericho Road. It would not be long now. Everyone took their places, just as planned, and even the kids were cooperating this one time. But Zacchaeus had heard news of Jesus' arrival, too. He knew he wasn't welcome in the town square, but he wasn't going to miss this opportunity to lay eyes on this remarkable man. Then he had an idea. Isn't there a sycamore tree right outside the city gates, he thought? He could embed himself there in that dense vegetation, and it would provide the perfect vantage point. He'd be able to see what happens in Jesus' visit to Jericho, but he'd not be seen himself. So the assembled townspeople await anxiously Jesus' appearance, and he finally comes into view. But then they see that somehow he has stopped just outside the city gate. Why is he looking up at that sycamore tree, they wonder? Is he talking to it? Then someone climbs out of the tree. Oh, it's a cute little, wait, that's Zacchaeus. What in the world is he doing out there? Everyone is frozen in horror until someone runs up and shouts, Jesus says he's going to Zacchaeus' house. Then the horror turns to grumbling. How can he be the guest of one who is a sinner? Ironically, Zacchaeus and the townspeople wanted the same thing. They wanted Zacchaeus to remain out of sight, to see, perhaps, but not be seen. But Jesus has other ideas. Despite the leafy camouflage, Jesus not only spots Zacchaeus in his sycamore tree, he actually sees him. He even seems to know him because he shouts out his name. Zacchaeus, he says, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus panics. If Jesus knows his name, he might also know his story. So before Jesus can say another word, he blurts out a confession. Half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I'll, I'll pay them back four times as much. He's answering questions that haven't been asked yet. But it's been so long since he's really been seen that it's shaken him to his core. To see but not be seen. These words came to mind this week when I remembered an experience I had a couple of years ago. A former student, somebody I'd kept in touch with over the years, texted me out of the blue to say that she was struggling with alcohol and needed help. Why'd she reach out to me? She'd heard me do a presentation at her church on addiction and thought I might have some advice for her. So I told her she was in luck 
because of something she apparently didn't know, which is that her very own church was host to a variety of 12-step meetings, including AA, and it met several times a week. I even would meet her there, I said. And I didn't hear back from a few minutes. And then she responded that she couldn't possibly attend a recovery meeting at her own church. What if some, someone saw me walking across the parking lot, she said, and figured out where I was going? Her desire to see was real, but her, it was outweighed by her fear of being seen. And actually, her instincts were good, because if you don't want to be seen, a recovery meeting is probably the last place you're going to feel comfortable. As some of you know, I'm working now on a book on the history of the church's relationship to addiction and recovery. And I've learned a lot. One of the things I keep coming across is a question that has resounded like a mantra through the Christian community since the 1950s. And it goes like this. Why can't the church be more like AA? You're probably thinking, wait, chilly church basements, hard metal chairs, bad coffee. I don't really see the attraction. But it's not the venue or the refreshments these people are thinking of. It's the sincere welcome. It's the warm fellowship, the unselfconscious hugs, the absence of judgment, the rigorous honesty, the deep humility, the obvious reliance on God. In a word, 12-step meetings are full of people who are willing to be seen by other people and by God. In fact, there's probably no better way of describing the ethos of a group like AA than, and other 12-step fellowships than as places where one can both see and be seen. That is, I think, why Christians who have been exposed to these recovery communities long for the church to feel more like they do. There is, it turns out, something redemptive about being really seen by other people. And something even more redemptive, apparently, about being seen by God. Did you notice that at the end of our story, Jesus says something very unusual? As if to emphasize that Zacchaeus was really the only reason he had come to Jericho in the first place, he says, salvation has come to this house today. The city fathers must have thought, wait, we weren't asking for salvation, certainly not for Zacchaeus. We just wanted our city to be appreciated and by the way, how could salvation be announced without some expression, confession of belief? Don't get us wrong, we're glad that Zacchaeus had a change of heart. He's a terrible person, as you know. But what about looking the part? Maybe Jesus knows something about the profound changes that are wrought in a person who has been seen for the first time. Maybe he knows that salvation has less to do with our finding God than with God finding us. Jesus reminds us that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost, and so he seeks you and I. Whether we're perched up on our roofs, admiring the landscape, hidden in our sycamore trees, comfortably nestled in our nice cars and our fine clothes, or peering out from behind the facades of our carefully curated social media accounts. Wherever we are, However we like to hide, Jesus will always seek us, asking not only if we want to see him, but if we are willing to be seen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
to whom be all glory and honor forever. Amen.